From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Washington Watch. But this is a special Faith and Freedom edition of Washington Watch, where we step back from what we've been talking about all week, the politics and the uh, uh, the policies. Believe me, they'll be here next week when we return. We'll be talking about them next week with the Supreme Court um, confirmation hearings. But on these Fridays, what we kind of do, we step back on these Faith and Freedom editions and, and look at the people that are here in Washington, D.C., making the policies, what motivates them? Why did they come here? And we look at their faith, the role that their Christian faith plays, uh, not only here in Washington, D.C., the role that it plays in their lives, but how it has led them to this point. So today we're going to join, uh, we're going to be joined by two two good friends, uh, one whom I've traveled with uh, literally uh, around the world, and another member we'll be talking to in just a moment, uh, in a little bit, Texas Congressman Brian Babin will be joining us. Um, actually, originally from Louisiana. He'll tell, tell us about that. But first, my first guest, Congressman Robert Adderholt, is uh, serving his 12th term representing the 4th Congressional District of Alabama. Uh, throughout his many years of experience, one thing has remained constant, and that is his commitment to stand for truth and for people of faith. You know, Defending the lives of the unborn is a staple of Robert's politics as he understands the value God has given to all human life. Uh, Robert is a family man himself, so you can expect that any time Congress is in session, he's going to bring his family with him on his commute from uh, Alabama. Uh, But before he made his way to the Capitol, uh, to Capitol Hill, his uh, faith journey brought him to serve as a municipal judge in Haleyville, Alabama, and as assistant legal advisor to Governor Fob James. Uh, Congressman Adderholt currently serves on the House Appropriations Committee. He is the ranking member of the Subcommittee on Commerce, Justice, and Science and is a member of the Agriculture and Rural Development Subcommittees as well as the Defense Subcommittee. Uh, Congressman Robert Adderholt, welcome back to the program. Well, Tony, it's good to be with you, and thanks for having me on. And in the introduction you mentioned about uh, traveling around the world, you know, I uh, finally remember having a chance to for us to travel to uh, Israel together and uh, back a few years ago. And uh, that was a great trip and uh, having some uh, spending some time with you, even though we had known each other, we got a chance to spend a little bit more time together. So, yeah, we literally have uh, been on the other side of the world together. Yeah, we can share some stories of Louis Gomert, who was with us on that trip as well. And uh, he, he, Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, that, that was a great trip. And, uh, of course, uh, you know, our, with our uh, – the Jade Ranch facility over there, we both have a common interest in and have been to out to their Northern California facility where with our kids. And so, yeah, it's um, we've uh, been have that uh, very close in common and which, uh, you know, the Jade Ranch is really a lot. A lot of people probably for your listeners may be familiar with it, maybe not so much so, but it's really uh, bonds the relationship between a, a parent and their child. And it's uh, and and faith based at that. So it's just a a great organization, and then reaching out to Israel and what they do over there is tremendous. Well, it's a good place to start with J.H. Ranch. Um, they're actually they're close by your district, Birmingham, Alabama. Um, headquartered, yes. They're headquartered right there. Of course, they're in Northern California is where the ranch is, but uh, Bruce and Heather Johnston uh, operate that. But it is a faith, it's a Christian ranch that brings 
mostly fathers but mothers too, uh, in with their, their teenage children, and it's about developing that deeper relationship, but it's all based upon uh, our relationship with Christ. And so I, I want to start with kind of that uh, aspect, Robert, of, of your life, and just share with our listeners who are oftentimes surprised at how many believers are here in Washington, D.C., but just kind of share your experience of coming to know the Lord and, and your journey that the Lord has had you on. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll be the first to say I was surprised when I got to Washington about how many people of faith were there, and especially in the House and even in the Senate. Uh, when I got up there, I realized there were some individuals that are serving that I have served with over the past years and, of course, continue to serve with. It has a very deep faith, and I think a lot of people think that everybody in Washington, maybe two or three people, are uh, folks that are completely – uh, removed from the faith scene and maybe will give lip service. But you know and I know that there are a lot of members who take their faith very seriously and uh, who who I would put it in that category that you and I have a personal relationship with Christ, and it's not just something that they check the box on. And, I, and most of those, if you go back to their background, that there was a time and place where they came to accept Christ in their life. And just like uh, uh, all of us that follow Christ, we at some points in our life that we need a, we need a Savior. And we realize that we're, we're all sinners. And that was exactly what happened to me. I, I was uh, brought up in a, going to church every Sunday uh, in a Christian family. Uh, I spent a lot of time with my grandparents who were uh, Southern Baptists and spent a lot of time going to church with them. Uh, when I was not going to church with my own mom and dad, but uh, but I had to come to a point. Even though I go, I was going to church a lot with my family and grandparents. There came a point in time that I knew I'd, I had to personally accept Christ into my life, and uh, I did that as a as a young uh, a young boy. Now I cannot remember. You know, some people can give you the exact time of the day and the date. Right. Um, I, I was young and I really didn't keep up with the days then. But uh, I remember, of course, uh, asking Christ into my life and knowing that that I, that I needed a Savior. And uh, I was not a great sinner probably at seven or eight years old like some people when they come to Christ. But nonetheless, I knew that, you know, I was separated from God and I needed needed Christ in my life. And, of course, um, I, I'm, I'm one of those people that, uh, you know, I, would, I was so young when I— accepted christ I, I'd, I'd go to church later and the the pastor would talk about accepting christ and i was like well maybe i need to ask christ again because i'm not sure it took the first time so uh you know it, some of us when, when you're real young and you're not real and your life is not really wrecked by sin your your life really doesn't change that much and i was one yeah. of those uh, those type people that i i had not robbed any banks and been on drugs at seven or eight years old and uh, so my life didn't just take a drastic change, but at the same time, I knew that, that, that I needed Christ. And so I found myself a few times uh, after that accepting Christ in my life. So again, just as I say, I wanted to make sure it, it took. But, uh, of course, uh, the, the thing about it was is that uh, Christ knew that uh, even though I, I prayed that prayer uh, maybe several times, uh, the bottom line was that uh, Christ knew, knew my heart, the condition of my heart, and knew that I wanted to have a relationship with him. And uh, that's what it stems back to. And, of course, as I got in college, I met other Christians that uh, I started growing in my relationship. And, 
and, uh, you know, learning what it is to, to follow Christ on a day-by-day basis. I, I can absolutely relate to that. I got a very similar story. Uh, you know, I was born in an unchurched home, and it was about seven, uh, about nine years, about eight and nine years old when I came to know Christ. But, you know, I hadn't hadn't robbed any banks, thought about it, but hadn't robbed any banks at that point. But, yeah. <laughs> but, but you know, you, you don't have that story. But now looking back, I can see that the path that I was on, even in some of the small things, had God not intervened and saved me, uh, it, banks would be mild, I think, to what we're capable of doing. And I think that's why we're seeing Absolutely. our culture. You know, we're, we're seeing this culture that is, is becoming so dark and so lawless, but it's because Christ is not there. And and we've got to live out our faith. And that's one of the things I, you know, one of the reasons I have you on the program here today is because you're one that, as many that are here, and, and the gr- number is growing. It's growing. There are more coming, being called here that are believers and are living out their faith. And as a member of Congress, some would say, well, you should check your faith at the door. You shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't bring your religion into it. I mean, what would you say to that? Yeah. Well, I would say that, you know, I mean, the alternative with that would be that people that serve that has a no a no faith and has no um, spiritual uh, grounding. And, and when I say spiritual grounding, I mean that, that there's that there's well, you've got to have absolutes. And if you don't have absolutes in your life, then, you know, you can be, you know, anything can, up can be down, down can be up. Right. And it's just really there has to be a grounding. And that's the thing about faith. Now, obviously, you know, sometimes those of us that uh, and, and even yourself, they, they accuse us of wanting to impose a theocracy. Uh, and that is the furthest from the truth. I mean, there, we know when you have a relationship with Christ, you know that that's not something you can impose on somebody. That has to come from the heart. And that has to be of something that a person decides for themselves. It can't be something that somebody just, uh, that you, you tell somebody they have to accept Christ and hold a gun to their head. It just doesn't work that way. You're holding some kind of law over them. And those that think that we want to have a theocracy and just make everyone a Christian, I, I you know, it's a real sign that they really don't, that to me is they don't really know Christ because they don't understand how it works. Well, because there's freedom in Christ. Actually, when they're saying they want to, that we want to impose a theocracy, it's actually they want to impose a, a, a secular version of a theocracy where we have to basically deny or be refused the ability to live our lives according to our faith, the free exercise of our, our faith. And, and you're absolutely right. Those who are in Christ understand that Christ brings freedom. And God has given each and every one of us a choice. And we can, we can choose to follow him or not, and we respect that choice. But at the same time, we all live in this environment, and we want to make sure that everyone benefits by making policies and laws that are in keeping with God's truth. Yeah, and you have to have those standards, and I believe in order to have a culture like our founding fathers intended for this country, because really the founding fathers understood that that in order for us to have the freedoms that we have, faith needs to be woven into our society, because you can either govern. I've, I've come to the conclusion you can govern two ways. You can govern when you are, by people's hearts being changed, where faith has a role in society, or you can have a situation like you go back to a few years ago, like Saddam Hussein when he controlled uh, Iraq. Mm-hmm. And you know, people, most people acted right in Iraq uh, because if they didn't, they were they were hung or they had their arms cut off or 
their tongues cut out of their mouths or whatever. Uh, you can people will will most people there are always going to be a few, but most people will act properly. Or you can have faith be of source to to cause people when they, their hearts are changed, and that's why I think the Finding Fathers thought that faith was so important that we would have a situation in this country where we wouldn't rule by some sword like Saddam Hussein, but we would we would but we wanted faith to be a part of our culture so that people would want to do the right thing. Right, that's and that's exactly what John Adams said uh, that our second president, our Constitution. Uh, was made for a moral and a religious people. It is wholly inadequate for the government of uh, of any other. Uh, Robert, we're we're up against a break. We're going to take a break, and we're going to come back here in just a moment because I want I want you to share with our listeners kind of the role that your relationship with the Lord led to you entering into the public arena. That's oftentimes people don't see faith and politics going together, and I want you to share kind of that journey. Uh, that you have been on with our listeners, all right? Absolutely. All right, stay right there. Don't go away. Folks, don't go away either, because on the other side of the break, we're going to continue our conversation with Alabama Congressman Robert Adderhold. And then later in the program, uh, another friend's going to be joining us, Texas Congressman Brian Babin's going to be here. So don't go anywhere unless you want to go to the website, TonyPerkins.com, because we've got lots of resources there for you, including the challenge. The challenge to pray, vote, and stand. Critical election coming up. You need to do your part. You need to vote. You need to stand for truth. But we all need to be praying every day, right now. Go to TonyPerkins.com. All right, don't go away. We're coming back after this. The rapidly changing moral landscape of the 21st century presents a challenge for Christians committed to biblical sexual ethics. An uprising against morality has overturned centuries of norms concerning the family, marriage, and human sexuality. Secular culture is not the only challenger of Christian sexual ethics. Increasingly, theologically liberal churches and denominations are rejecting the church's historic teaching on marriage. As a result, Christians are facing increasing pressure to compromise the Bible's teaching on human sexuality. How should Christians who are committed to God's Word respond to these challenges? What does the Bible teach about sexuality? Family Research Council has a new publication that presents the biblical principles for human sexuality. It lays out a survey of culture, scripture, and church history that will help pastors and all Christians meet modern-day challenges to biblical sexuality with truth and love. To access this publication, visit frc.org slash humansexuality. Masculinity in America has never been under attack the way it is today. We've reached the point where the term itself is considered toxic or offensive to many. The consistent message in our nation is that masculinity by nature is bad and is the root cause of many of the problems plaguing our society. From his experience as a military combat officer and ordained minister of the gospel, Lieutenant General William Boykin has seen and dealt with firsthand the breakdown of leadership in our nation by the lack of godly men living lives of biblical purpose. In his latest book, Man to Man, Rediscovering Masculinity in a Challenging World, he addresses the essential elements of manhood as a provider, an instructor, a defender, a battle buddy, and a chaplain explains how to personally develop these traits and pass them to the next generation. 
Get your copy today of Man to Man, wherever books are sold. Hey, Matt. Hey, Hannah. What's going on? Why so gloomy? Well, I'm a little disappointed. I had a lot planned to do during the stay-at-home time, and I just didn't do it. Oh, yeah? What did you have planned that you didn't get to do? Well, I was actually hoping I would finally be able to get time to do a regular Bible reading routine, and I started a couple of times. I just didn't stick with it. Don't be too down on yourself. Starting a new routine can be hard, but one way to help is to join in with others and to have a good game plan. I think I have a good solution for you. Oh, yeah? Tony Perkins and FRC are doing a two-year study in the Word. They have it all mapped out. When did they start? I I would be so far behind. Oh, that's not a problem. You can literally jump in any time. There's a daily reading just a couple of chapters a day with questions to help you think about what you're reading. Nice. Where can I find this? Go to frc.org slash Bible and you can get started. Where's that again? frc.org slash Bible. Got it. Checking it out now. Welcome back to this Faith and Freedom edition of Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins, the website, TonyPerkins.com. Congressman Robert Adderholt of Alabama's 4th Congressional District, my guest. And uh, right before the break, we said when we come back, I wanted wanted him to share the story about how his relationship with the Lord, his faith, led him into the public arena. You know, Robert, oftentimes, and I got this back when I ran for office and held office, and people... There's just this sense that politics is dirty. Therefore, as Christians, we should stay away from it. So it it really blows people's mind when, you know, elected officials who are believers say the Lord led me, led me to step into this arena. Yeah, well, you know, as a young as a young boy, uh, even as a you know young teenager, I was I was interested in politics. It just was something that I had a had a had an interest in well before uh Oh, uh, I mean, well before I was, well, when I was in high school, and probably even before I was in high school. So I knew that I I, I wanted to be involved some way in the uh, political scene, some way. I knew that also that politics was a very volatile profession. I mean, it's everybody that runs for political office doesn't win, and if you do win, then you're my, you you can certainly get beat. So I uh, decided that I would uh, go go to law school. And I will because I, I felt that was a good, you know, hand in hand, even though obviously I don't know. I, I, some people ask me, what degree do you need to be to serve in Congress? And certainly a law degree is not one of them. But just having an interest in politics and law is why I chose that profession, just because of my, my particular interest. But, uh, you know, as I uh, as when I graduated or as I was graduating law school, a legislative seat became open in the Alabama legislature. And so it was a perfect time for me to run for the legislature, and uh, or at least I thought it was. And I uh, uh, was a candidate, won the Republican primary. I was uh, uh, 24 years old at the time. Uh, I know you were real young when you were elected to the state legislature, I think, in Louisiana, if I'm mm-hmm. correct. Yeah. And um, so I saw my, my path starting in politics at age 24. And uh, I, uh, you know, was expecting to win and lost. I lost my race with uh, 48% of the vote to 52% of the vote for my opponent. 
And um, even though it was a close margin and a respectable race, it was still a loss. And I'll tell you, it was it was difficult because I thought I was convinced that I was going to win that race yeah. and this was going to be the start of my political career. It didn't happen that way. And so um, I uh, didn't know if I would ever be in, run for politics again. Six years later, my predecessor of 30 years retired. And at 31 years of age, I uh, ran for the for the U.S. Congress and got elected. And that was took me to to the U.S. House of Representatives. And I look back and I think perhaps if I had been elected to the state house, that you know, I, I it could have been that uh, would have messed up my path to going on to serving in Congress. So I look back and think that could have well been a blessing that uh, that didn't that that didn't happen. So you never know how those things work out. And let me just leave I, uh, that I know that one of the thing, verses I held on to, I said, you know, was trying to pray about the right thing to do about running for Congress. And during the campaign, I always held on to Proverbs sixteen nine. You know, it says, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Yeah. And uh, I knew that, you know, this is what I wanted to do. But I said, you know, I asked God to lead and God direct me down that right path. And uh, fortunately, I was blessed to be elected to Congress uh, in 1996. And at, at the age of 31. Yeah, it was interesting you, you, you bring up that you quoted that verse because that's what was think, I was thinking, uh, because that's the way the Lord yeah. works. You know, we, we make our plans, but he directs our steps. I, you know, after I was elected actually in 1996 uh, at the age of 31 uh, to the state legislature about um, mm-hmm. just about, about five years after that, I guess it was, I ran for the U.S. Senate, lost that race. Um, and, you know, I, that was devastating because I had never lost a race before. And yep. but, you know, and I look back on it, I wouldn't be here at the Family Research Council had I not ran that race and lost. Had I won, I wouldn't be here if I so it just, you know, the reality is the Lord directs our steps. He knows what's best for us. But we've got to we've got to be willing to step out in, in obedience. And also, I, I find I don't know, maybe Robert's different you for you, but. I find that the Lord often speaks to us in our hearts, in the motivations and the passions he gives us as we spend time with him. That's how he directs our steps in some ways. Yeah, one thing I have learned is that God does give us all interest. He's made us all different, and he made us uh, for different purposes. And, you know, you can be able to reach people that I cannot reach and and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And I think God puts an interest in our hearts to help us reach different people and to accomplish different things for him. And so using those interests, I think he gives is, is, is so many times it's from him. Right. One, one body, many members. We we all have a role to play. Before we run out of time, Robert, I want to ask you this because I know your wife um, and I I just want to ask you this. How have you been able to balance your public role with your responsibility as a father and, and with your family? Well, first of all, I, you know, from the very beginning, and, you know, Caroline and I had only been married just about two years when I was, when I, uh, well, I, actually less than that, I think, when I ran first started running for Congress. So we were basically newlyweds without children, and so we sort of started this thing together. And uh, But from the, from the very beginning, we wanted that our family and, and when we had children, that would be, you know, it would not be I would be in Washington and they would be somewhere else. When I was in Washington, I wanted them to be with me. And, you know, I could do that because we had not even started a family. Yeah. yet. I know it's difficult when people already have children. They go to Washington. But we had not even started. We, we were married five years and I was in my second term of Congress before we had our first child. 
so we were able to start from the beginning. And so we were able to do that, and uh, Caroline and the children were able to be with me uh, during the week. And, of course, obviously I would go back and forth, but uh, they would stay in Washington. And it worked out well because during the week I could be with them. We could have dinner together, and that worked out real well for me. And so I was glad that, and like I said, I know people have different schedules and they have different family situations, but for me that's worked real well. And, and we get back, my my children all consider themselves Alabamians, but at the same time, we were able to have dinner together almost uh, every night or at least see each other every night if we didn't have dinner together. And uh, when they had school activities, I could be there. Yeah, it's, it, makes it, uh, it makes it a challenge for many members. Well, uh, Robert, we're out of time, up against another break, but I, I want to thank you so much for joining us, and uh, I know we're going to have you back on Washington Watch real soon. Look forward to it. Thank, thanks, Tony. All right. All right, folks, don't go away. We're coming right back with uh, Congressman Brian Babin of Texas. That's next. Oh, man. What's wrong? I just missed Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, and our congressman was going to be on the show today. Oh, that's not a big deal. What do you mean? Well, you can always catch the replay of the day's show. How's that? With the Stand Firm app. Yeah? Yep, you can catch that day's program and so much more. You can contact your elected officials on campaigns and policies that are important to you with the Take Action tab. You can listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins live and play previous episodes while conveniently going about your day. You can access the Washington Update, informative blogs, tweets, and critical campaigns on the main feed, so you can stay up to date on local and national news. Wow, I definitely use that. How do you find the app? Just visit frc.org slash app and download or search Stand Firm in the App Store. Okay, that's Stand Firm. Yep, Stand Firm. How do you know all this? Because I'm a SageCon, but that's another story. Huh? In this important season for our nation, it is imperative for Christians to pray. While we have a responsibility to vote for biblical values and stand for truth, our priority should always be to seek the Lord first. Each week until the election, FRC and FRC Action will host a special Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast to equip you to pray, vote, and stand for biblical truth. We'll have experts, elected leaders, and Christian leaders join us for these half-hour programs that will help you see through the fog that's been created by the biased lenses of the mainstream media. While you're there, be sure to take the 2020 Pray, Vote, Stand Challenge and make a commitment to pray for our nation, vote biblical values, and stand for truth during this 2020 election season. To watch the broadcasts and to take the 2020 Pray, Vote, Stand Challenge, visit PrayVoteStand.org. That's PrayVoteStand.org. Welcome back to this Faith and Freedom edition of Washington Watch. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you happen to miss uh, any of our uh, conversations today, you can find them all later archived at TonyPerkins.com. You know, the scripture makes very clear that, you know, man plans his way, but it's the Lord that directs his steps. And and I see that so often here in Washington, D.C. Now, my next guest, Congressman Brian Babin, serves the 36th Congressional District of Texas. And um, he dutifully looks to glorify God through his work 
and we're going to talk about that in a moment. But I, but I also want to talk uh, a little bit about some of the amazing amazing adventures the Lord has brought Brian and his family through. Uh, it seems to be that adventure is the name of the game for the Babins. The congressman is a veteran of the Texas National Guard, serving and uh, an airborne artilleryman. And after graduating from the University of Texas Dental School in Houston, he accepted a senior dental scholarship and was commissioned as a captain in the United States Air Force. Uh, Brian and his kids found themselves in uh, Germany, Greece, England throughout his assignments. And after making his way uh, back across the pond, the family settled in Woodville, Texas, and uh, Brian's uh, children apparently have the same desire for adventure and excellence as their father. His oldest, Leif, is a decorated Navy SEAL, and one of his twins, uh, Lucas, is an actor-turned-attorney. Brian has served uh, civic roles in the Woodville community for years, but felt uh, the need to serve God in Washington, D.C. So in 2015, after being elected to office, he was sworn in to not only serve his community, but to be an example of faith in Congress. Uh, the congressman and his wife, Roxanne, are members of the First Baptist Church of Woodville, where they, uh, where he has served as a deacon, a Sunday school teacher, a choir member, and a member of Gideon's International. Congressman, welcome back to the program. Hey, Tony, it's always good to be with you, and I appreciate your long, illustrious career as well. Well, thank you. I, I learned something here. I didn't know you were a member of the choir, so next time we're together, we're just going to have to, uh, you know, maybe sing a hymn or two. <laughs> hey, I'm ready. I I used to sing a, a pretty good tenor. As I've gotten older, I've got I've become more of a baritone. <laughs> so I can't hit those high tenor notes like I used to. But I love to sing, and I play the guitar and piano and uh, you know, I'm always ready, Tony, anytime. Well, you know, I was listening to a, a sermon of a pastor friend the other day just talking about, you know, when you have when you want to sing, if you're if you're if you're saved and you love the Lord, you're going to want to sing, whether you can carry a tune or not. And I think that's so true that, you know, the Lord's put a song in our heart, whether or not he's given us the skill to sing it, the talent to sing it. He's given us a song in our heart. And 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 and, and you have that song. I mean, t- tell our listeners a little bit about uh, about your faith journey, how you came to know the Lord. Well, you know, I was actually born uh, a Catholic. Uh, my my parentage is uh, from southwest Louisiana. I'm, I was, of course, a first-generation Texan on my dad's side. Uh, but dad was uh, from uh, Bro Bridge, Louisiana. And all the Babins, or the Babans, as they call them over in uh, Cajun country, uh, most of them are Catholics. Yep. And uh, my uh, my mother was a Presbyterian, and she had French roots as well. She was uh, from a, a family of French Huguenots going back to when the Huguenots had to yeah. flee uh, France and uh, were being persecuted by, by the— uh, So ironically, my, my Catholic father married my Huguenot mother, and uh, I'm one of seven children, and uh, I'm, I uh, feel like that I got a great— all-American raising. Uh, my 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 parents were great parents, uh, and uh, we grew up uh, born in Port Arthur, uh, and grew up in Beaumont, and uh, finished school in Southeast Texas, and then uh, uh, went into the military, which you've already talked about. I was in the Texas Army National Guard and came back. Uh, uh, happened to miss. I missed Vietnam, although I was in the in the guard during that time, and then came back and finished my my education and uh, 
wound up, uh, quite frankly, I'll just, I may as well just tell you a little testimony. Uh, I was uh, pretty much uh, not a, much of a, of a student in, in college uh, and was not doing well. I uh, didn't have really a grounding I, I didn't feel like. And uh, it, was a t it was kind of a rough time to be a goof-off in school because uh, that was back in the late 60s. And uh, so I was on scholastic probation. Uh, I got my driver's license suspended for, for having too many moving violations and uh, just wasn't doing real well. Uh, my grades were, were poor. I told my father, I said, you know, I'm, I, I'm really not doing much up here. And uh, he said, well, don't quit. Just, just stay, stay with it. And uh, I got reclassified 1A, and then I was able to, uh, I, I was going to go into the Navy. Uh, and then I also had an offer at the same time to get into a, uh, a uh, Texas Army National Guard unit in Beaumont, Texas. There were three units there, Orange, Beaumont, and Port Arthur, and I, uh, I got into the, to the uh, uh, unit in Beaumont and went off on active duty. I was gone for approximately six months, and quite frankly, I, I, you know, I always considered myself a Christian. I, I, I grew up in church, uh, but I don't think I really was a Christian. I don't think I really understood the meaning of being saved and being born again, uh, and I learned discipline. I learned uh, to deny myself when uh, I felt, you know, uh, you know, I, the old saying, if it feels good, do it. Uh, I learned that, that was, that's, a, that's a prescription for a lot of disaster. And so uh, my dad also sent me a, a book back in those days. It was called The Power of Positive Thinking. It was by Dr. Norman Vincent Peale. Uh, and I read that book and uh, you know, I, I think it, it kind of turned me on to the Lord in a way that uh, hey, uh, led me to be very hungry for the Word. Brian, we're, we're up against a break, so hold that thought because we're going to come okay. back to the, uh, the power of uh, the Word after this. Folks, stick with us. We're coming right back after this. Are you looking to grow closer in your relationship with Jesus Christ and in your knowledge of God's Word? Family Research Council has a three-part series titled, Three Ways to Read the Bible. This series shares helpful ways to be encouraged and directed by God's truth by observing the text of the Bible and applying it to your life. There is no better time than now to get to know God through His Word by looking into the Bible to see what it says about itself, God, and humanity. There's no better time than now to begin devoting time to the Lord and to seek out His meaning for you. This blog series is a great primer on opening your eyes and heart to Him through the Bible amid the toils and troubles of today. Check out this helpful resource and learn how to read the Bible with not just your eyes, but with your heart and mind as well. To learn more, visit frcblog.com slash ways to read. That's frcblog.com slash ways to read. Since the 1973 Roe v. Wade Supreme Court decision, Congress and many states have taken various actions to stop taxpayer dollars from funding abortions or the abortion industry. As early as 1976, Congressman Henry Hyde led the effort to ban federal funding for abortions. The federal Hyde Amendment, named after him, established the principle that abortion is not health care and therefore taxpayers should not be forced to fund abortions. Despite these efforts, the abortion industry still receives millions of dollars each year in taxpayer money. In 2019, Planned Parenthood, America's largest abortion provider, received $616.8 million in government funds. 
Family Research Council's newly updated pro-life map tracks how your state has taken action to stop taxpayer funding of abortions. Go to frc.org slash pro-life maps to see where your state stands in the fight for life. That's frc.org slash pro-life maps. The rapidly changing moral landscape of the 21st century presents a challenge for Christians committed to biblical sexual ethics. An uprising against morality has overturned centuries of norms concerning the family, marriage, and human sexuality. Secular culture is not the only challenger of Christian sexual ethics. Increasingly, theologically liberal churches and denominations are rejecting the church's historic teaching on marriage. As a result, Christians are facing increasing pressure to compromise the Bible's teaching on human sexuality. How should Christians who are committed to God's Word respond to these challenges? What does the Bible teach about sexuality? Family Research Council has a new publication that presents the biblical principles for human sexuality. It lays out a survey of culture, scripture, and church history that will help pastors and all Christians meet modern-day challenges to biblical sexuality with truth and love. To access this publication, visit frc.org slash humansexuality. I'm Tony Perkins, and you're listening to a Faith and Freedom edition of Washington Watch. And my guest, Congressman Brian Babin of Texas, and we were just in the middle of his story. And I know you're probably sitting on the edge of your seat. His dad sent him a book from Dr. Norman Vincent Peale, uh, The Power of Positive Thinking. All right, Brian, finish that thought. Absolutely. Well, I just I, I began to have a, a hunger for the Lord. And uh, after coming back from the Army, from training, I, I went to... Uh, basic training, and then I went to artillery school at Fort Sill, and I had to go to airborne school, learn how to jump out of airplanes at Fort Benning, Georgia, and then came home. And uh, I started uh, dating my future wife at that time, and uh, I think that we, uh, together, we we became very, very, uh, very interested in, in uh, God's Word. She had been raised a Baptist, I had been raised a, a Catholic and Presbyterian, uh, and uh, after marrying, uh, we had five children, and uh, I, I got uh, I got I really got saved uh, back when I was probably in my early 30s, and uh, uh, I, I've always tried to, to, to stay with the Word. Uh, I, you know, when I when I depart from it, when I don't read it, I don't keep up with it. Uh, you know, I, I think I do uh, I don't do as quite as well as I. As I normally do when I when I am reading God's word, so uh, I, I felt a calling to run for office, and uh, we uh, I actually ran back in '96. I was defeated uh, in '96 uh, by just a few points. Uh, this, East Texas was Democrat at the time, and then a few years went by, and uh, we had a vacancy in our congressional seat. A uh, guy uh, pulled his name off the ballot and, and was going to run for the Senate, which left this or left a vacancy. And I had people calling me and say, "Hey, Doc, why don't you why don't you try it one more time?" I said, "Oh, I'm not sure I'm ready to do that." Well, my wife woke up at 3 a.m. one morning uh, while we were we were, we'd been thinking and praying about this, and she said, "Brian, you've got to do this." And so I threw my name in the hat, and uh, there were 12 people running in the in the primary, and I wound up in a runoff. And then uh, won that, and then uh, I beat the uh, Democrat. And so I've been serving. I was elected. That was in 2014. 
And uh, quite frankly, I feel like I'm doing the Lord's work. I have 16 grandchildren and one more on the way, the 17th. And I, I am doing this. I, I retired from dentistry. I practiced dentistry for nearly 40 years, 38 years. Uh, and I'm doing this for my children and my grandchildren uh, because I feel like that America is losing its moral footing. And I think we've seen it more vividly in the last six or eight months than we've ever seen it uh, with, the, with the left and Antifa and Black Lives Matters and, and all of these things that we're seeing, the violence, this senseless violence and arson and, and assaults and what have you. Uh, this country's got to be put back on a moral footing, I can tell you. And so we're working extremely hard to make sure that we're helping candidates uh, that uh, uh, that can win and put us back on that footing, I think, on a path of righteousness uh, that would be pleasing to our Lord. And uh, I've got, you know, a lot of folks think there's not very many Christians up there in Congress, and you know, Tony, that there are. There's lots of them. And uh, I'm in uh, a number of prayer meetings on a weekly basis. I play the guitar and sing in one of them, and others uh, we meet in early morning and uh, we pray for one another, pray for our colleagues, for our president. And, uh, of course, gosh, we need to be praying for our president more than ever right now, Tony. Uh, but this country has got to be put back on a moral footing. Uh, we, we need a revival in this country in a way that I have never seen in my life. I, I, I have not seen the United States in the, in the situation that it is today. And uh, I think that uh, the election of Donald J. Trump, was an act of God. I really do. I, I, I was. Uh, all of us were praying for that, and uh, I think that uh, Trump is uh, being used of, of, by God, and I think he's doing a tremendous job. Uh, he's certainly not a perfect individual. No one is on the face of this earth, and uh, but I think the man is doing an outstanding job, and I I look so much forward to having him reelected, and I'm hoping that we can regain the majority in the House of Representatives. So that we can we can continue to protect the unborn and the elderly and and do the things that we need to do to stop some of this uh, depravity that we've seen and perversion, uh, which is being celebrated and is absolutely contrary to the word of God. And uh, a lot of folks are afraid to stand up and talk about this kind yeah, of stuff. They are, and uh, they're kind of gun shy, and with good reason because the attacks by the left on people that don't agree with them. Uh, can be very, very vicious and damaging. Uh, so I think this is this is what we're up against. You know that better than anybody, Tony. Well, it, it is so true. I agree with all the above. I think the the, the president is a um, is a is a kind of a representation of God's grace, giving us time. Uh, I would also say this that I you know I've got a little longer perspective. I've been here for over seventeen years, and I have seen, really beginning in two thousand and ten, more. Christian men and women. I mean, people that not are not, not not Christian in name only, but those who actually uh, their 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 steps are ordered by their faith. They they live out their faith, and they're not afraid to say that they're believers. And they're in those Bible studies. That I've seen them called here to Washington D.C., leaving behind uh, very good careers, and that encourages me for one because it tells me that uh, God is not finished with our country. He's calling these men and women a principle, and I think. I, I often quote William Penn when we're having these conversations because William Penn, founder of Pennsylvania, said that government is like clocks. It takes its motion from men. And and you right. said, you know, we, we want to get back on that firm foundation. We get back on a, a, a path of, uh, of truth, of righteousness. 
to do that, we've got to have men and women that understand that and are willing to stand for that and also willing to be opposed because of that. So it, this is a time where we need moral courage. And so tell our listeners how your faith, as you spend time in the Word of God, you walk with God, you have fellowship with other believers, that that helps you build the courage and the boldness and the determination to stand. Well, we know because Christ tells us that uh, those who stand with him are going to be persecuted and that there will be uh, there will be uh, splits and there will be uh, problems even between mother and daughter and father and son and brother against brother. We know that it, it says that. And so we're to, we're to, we're to stand firm. Uh, we're to hold our ground. And uh, I think that it's, it's absolutely imperative for us to, uh, you know, what, what's really disturbing to me is that, for instance, uh, Justice Barrett, uh, who has uh, just been nominated by President Trump, uh, and she is being attacked for being a Christian, yeah. for being a, um, you know, a, a Catholic. Uh, but obviously, looking at her lifestyle and, and, and some of her decisions throughout her life, she is absolutely, uh, whether she was a Catholic or Baptist or anybody else, she is, she is a, a, a lady of faith, and she's being attacked. Uh, Dianne Feinstein, for one. Several other uh, Democrat senators have attacked her and said it's very disturbing to them that uh, she has this uh, this doctrinal or dogmatic uh, Christian attitude. I, I can't remember the exact. Yeah, well, the, the phrase. In fact, I just played it on a radio program this week. Was that it was Diane Feinstein during her confirmation for the Seventh Circuit? She said the dogma speaks loudly dogma, within. That's right. Uh, meaning that her faith, and, I, and I, I, I would hope people say the same thing about me, that the dogma, my, my faith in Jesus Christ, my ability or my desire to walk after him would speak so loudly that you could see it and hear it. Absolutely. Well, anyway, that is, that is what we need to have. We've got to, you know, there's an old saying, let, let, a, let a revival start and let it begin with me. Uh, and I, I think this is exactly what everyone of faith needs to do. We need to, uh, uh, to st- first off, stand our ground and, and, and try to be gentle and uh, try to be humble. Uh, you know, Jesus tells us to be humble. If we want to be a, the leader, we've got to be the servant of all. Right. And uh, I think that's why it's so important that we have people of faith that are up there making some of these decisions. And quite frankly, I, think, I don't think I've ever in my whole life uh, seen a president that has stood up for Christian values, uh, for for the unborn, and for for you know uh, being able to have the the freedom to, to worship the way uh, we would we we choose, any more so than I've seen Donald Trump do this. The man has been a tremendous leader uh, in our in our country, and uh, I really appreciate what he's done. Of course, I've I've been affiliated with uh, value added uh, the value. Uh, 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 what the heck is the name? VAT, we call it. Yeah, the VAT. Uh, Values Action Team. VAT, that's exactly right. Uh, and uh, we, we, we absolutely uh, are, are folks that want to protect the unborn in this country. And uh, the freedom to choose, that's what the other side keeps talking about. Uh, but that means the freedom to choose to eliminate someone's life. And uh, the true freedom is uh, to save that life, and that's what I think we need to be doing. And uh, so many of us 
uh, you know, are chastised uh, for going uh, against that. And that's one of the biggest fears, I think, that the other side of the aisle has about, uh, you know, having a conservative uh, Judeo-Christian uh, uh, person on the on the uh, Supreme Court that they're afraid Roe v. Wade will be overturned, uh, that uh, maybe the uh, the marriage, uh, same-sex marriage thing may go by the wayside. Uh, and these are the things they greatly fear. And, and so for that reason, I think they have really become uh, absolutely hysterical. Yeah, there's about, no question. Uh, about some of the... Uh, uh, the choices and, the, and the, the possibilities that Donald Trump might have in terms of putting people on. I think, I think if we can get Judge Barrett on there, Tony, we're going to be really uh, – we'll be, we'll be set for a few years, I think. Uh, the Constitution will be safe. Our, our freedoms, Second Amendment, First Amendment freedoms will be, uh, uh, you know, will be safe. Uh, from these activist judges that seem to think they're legislators rather than, uh, you know, members of the, sitting on the bench. That's been the problem. Right. Let, let me ask you another question, Congressman Babin, that uh, I, I like to ask some of our, our um, guests here on the Faith and Freedom edition of Washington Watch, because there's a number of Christians out there, maybe not regular listeners, they tune in occasionally out of interest. They might listen to this program a little bit more because it's not so much about politics and policy. But, you know, Christians, and I, I heard the same thing. I got the same question when I stepped into the political arena and ran for office and held office, is that, you know, politics is dirty in this country. You know, you've got to deal with these things that just, you know, you got to compromise. You know, I, I say you don't compromise principle, but you do have to reach agreement, consensus. They say, why, how, why should Christians get involved in this? I mean, what, what would you say to that? I would say it's very foolish not to, because I, and I would go back to what Jesus said. He said, you are to be uh, innocent as doves, but wise as serpents. And uh, that uh, being wise as a serpent doesn't mean that you need to stick your head in the sand and be ignorant uh, about evil that's, that's all around us. And uh, I, think that's what, I think that's what he was talking about. It's our duty to be educated, to know uh, and understand that there is evil. There, 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 there are people that are laying plans and trying to have influence uh, that would take uh, this nation and our, our children and grandchildren and great-great-grandchildren great into a direction that would certainly be detrimental. I mean, everybody says, oh, gosh, I've got a, he's one of these guys who believes in the Ten Commandments. Well, the Ten Commandments are, are there for our health and our benefit. Uh, they're not just uh, telling us that we can't do this because God's mean. Uh, and we're to fear God. Uh, and I've talked to people that said, I don't want to, uh, have to have to believe in a God that I have to fear. But I've all, all, also heard that, uh, you know, you, you don't go play on the freeway because you, you, you fear trucks. And uh, so I think uh, uh, God is an awesome God. And, uh, you know, when, when you can create the, the universe and create uh, the, the earth and all of its inhabitants and the stars and the celestial bodies, you're dealing with some, you know, with, with a being that is absolutely the true meaning of awesome. Awesome is you is way overused these days, but it's truly an awesome uh, God. And so, fearing God and doing the right thing is the beginning of wisdom. It says that in in the scripture. Uh, so, uh, I think I think it's 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 you, you asked me that question, and uh, and so I would I would answer in the affirmative. We absolutely uh, need to uh, uh, be ready and willing to step up to the plate uh, for our faith. And, uh, you know, if you're, if you're 
if the if the left expects you to serve in a in a capacity as a public elected official and not you know and not base it on your faith I think that's an absolutely unrealistic well, thing. It, it, it is. Thing. They, they, their lack of faith, if they have that, and, and some of them, you know, purport to be Christians, and I don't, I don't deny that because I'm in some bipartisan uh, uh, meetings, uh, you know, in, in prayer meetings. Uh, but if, if you, if you, if you serve and do not uh, listen to your faith and what you've been taught. Uh, and what's in your, you know, in your heart and soul, then, then what is it? It's not right. faith. Well, everyone has a worldview, and we have a, a, what we would call a biblical worldview. Our lives are influenced by our faith in God. Those that do not have a faith in God, they have what we might call a humanist worldview, and it guides what they do. And so we have no reason to apologize for those beliefs. Congressman Babin, we're out of time, but I want to thank you for uh, for spending time with us on this Faith and Freedom edition of Washington Watch. So good to talk with you. You know, you're, you're a, a real refreshing uh, voice to hear and a personality to, to be able to talk and meet up in uh, Washington. I want to thank you for your service in, in the uh, Louisiana legislature. I also want to thank you for being a U.S. Marine, my friend. Uh, and, a, and a Christian that uh, lives out the witness, and witnesses, uh, uh, your testimony, is just it, it speaks loudly, okay? Well, thank you, Brian. I appreciate that so much. Uh, again, thanks so much for, for being with us. Look forward to talking to you again real soon. Absolutely. God bless. Thank you, Tony. All right, folks, thanks so much for joining us. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you could do, and you've prayed, prepared, and taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.